Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Vents. This is Fed Weekly. A collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020, London Borough of Culture. Let's get a cracking. Amelia. Nuruddin. Vent Weekly. When I started economics on a course at uni, I looked at the industry and I saw that almost everyone was white. It made me think, what impact does it have if most of our economists are white? There's no equality when an industry is not diverse. If people working in an industry aren't representative, then that industry isn't going to cater towards everyone either. I think it's more about inclusion rather than diversity. I feel like diversity is just ticking a box. Today, we've invited economists for the civil service, Felicia Adampton, and Brent-based entrepreneur, Leah Clark, to talk about how economics needs to be more inclusive of the black community. Can you guys introduce yourselves? My name is Felicia. I'm an economist, and um, I'm also the founder of the Black Economist Network. Oh, cool. When did you start that? So I launched that in November last year. Okay, cool, cool, cool. My name's Leah. I'm a Brent-based designer, artist, whatever you want to call me. But yeah, do custom garments. I started originally doing just shoes. Now I do clothes. Now I do canvases and wallets and anything that, anything you want, really. So since this is an economic conversation, uh, we need to start from like route one, level one. So for anyone that doesn't know what the economy is, Felicia, what is just like the basic economy? So definitions on what the economy is varies depending on who you're talking to, um, depending on different economists as well. So some say it's the study of the production, consumption of goods and services and the pl- the supply of money. Others may go further and say it's the system of distributing scarce sources mm-hmm. such that it seeks to answer the question, how do we satisfy unlimited wants of the people with limited mm-hmm. resources? Yeah. Um, to me, that, that that's all true. I like to look at the economy as a system of transactions. So mm-hmm. on the micro level, it's between the transactions that you have between banks, the government, um, different institutions and businesses. Yeah. And that accumulates mm-hmm. to the macro level, the economy. Yeah. It gives us, you know, GDP, growth, um, activity, And so that's basically an economy. I like to think of economics as like the mathematics behind how society works. That's a a lovely way to think about it. Why do you think there are so few black economists? You've got people not even trying to get into the area for multiple of reasons. So, for example, representation. So time and time again, studies have shown that representation empowers minority groups. On top of that, it also... um, 
people's perceptions of what economics is. So a lot of people think economics is just about banking and finance, and that may appeal to just a small group of people. And that small group of people is probably like rich white kids who who know that their mums and dads have been bankers and stuff, or maybe some people who just like the idea of banking and finance, but that's still a small group. But economics is so much more than that. So you can do things like environmental economics, health economics, Mm. development economics, gender economics like it's a wide range and the field itself doesn't really do a good job at advertising all of that and I think the problem is is because it doesn't make it relatable to the black experience. What possessed you to start the Black Economics Network? Yeah so I guess I'll touch upon my personal experience so I took I started economics at A-levels because I was interested in business studies and then I looked at economics and I was like oh let me just switch it up let me try something new. I just was really good at it and I really enjoyed it so I was like let me study this in uni and I got to uni and I was like oh yeah I like this subject but I'm not seeing any black professors or anything like that on top of that I'm learning about a development economics we're talking about African economies and stuff like that but none of the Mm. people teaching me about this are black or from the continent oh my days and I just thought okay interesting and a lot of the reading lists weren't even looking at black economists or people who've done work on these areas it's still white professors and stuff so I was like okay maybe that's an issue in academia now I've done my master's now I'm going to work in the field I get to my next place of work and I'm the only female black economist luckily there was one other black economist he was a male and we were working in the same team which is quite mad and obviously I'm so I'm on the far stream um, so that's like public sector. Me and him started in the same year. So you're telling me before we came, there was no black economists here. Yeah. This is a much wider problem. And as I was starting my my career and, you know, trying to practice economics, I was looking for mentors. I was looking to people I could connect with, have conversations with, like how you navigate white spaces. Because obviously there's no lack of um, white male economists who could be my mentor, but they don't get the experience of, oh my God, if you're a black female and you walk into a room of all white people, how do you navigate that? How do you tame your emotions? How do you feel like you're not less than in that space? They can't really relate to Mm. that experience so they can't give me any guidance so I was like nah somebody needs to make a network because I need to find where all the black economists are (laughs) um but I guess that person was me (laughs) so I made this network and I want to um talk about why it's also so important that we are represented in a field like economics it's because it informs policy making and policies affect individuals it affects everyone it affects wider society And if you don't have that kind of diversity and inclusion, because diversity won't always lead to diverse outcomes because some people are still having thought processes which match up with the majority and the previous thought processes. So, like, if you don't have that, what it does is that it means that there's a lack of attention to issues that affect particular minority groups. That means there's a lack of information and data collected on that. And that will lead to poor decision making. And I want to quote one economist, Joelle Gamble, and she said, when it comes to racism, the problem with economics is that racism is a system that manifests in its norms, institutions and policies. So when economic analyses fails to account for these institutions, they perpetuate racist outcomes. And that's why you've got things like Mm -hmm. persistent racial inequalities in different areas. And that's why I think it's so important that we as black people are interested in these things and we, we go into different fields in economics um, so that's what I want to inspire mm. and um, do with my network as well. And also be a safe space. We have a membership, a safe space for people to um, join our WhatsApp groups, have a talk, learn from each other, debate, all of that kind of stuff. All right, Leah, 
we're bringing this onto your business. From the age of like 17, I worked and my work experience of like it really, this just even just listening to you talk about it really opened my eyes to, I was proper discriminated. And I think I worked harder than anyone else. I don't even care. I don't, I'm not even caring about the race or whatever, but I knew I didn't want to go uni. So I was like, all right, I'm going to sort myself out. I'm going to make sure I get a job and support myself. So I was like, all right, I went and worked for this company in construction, like, mm. like a retailer. And the job I was doing, like I was a management trainee and they kind of give you the, the mindset of you're going to be a manager, you're going to be this. But I was the only black woman in that whole yeah. group of 26 people. Yeah. Out of that whole group of 26 people, I was the only one to not get a job further on. That's crazy. And I was the only one who got a distinction. That's so it was crazy. like, huh? <laughs> wow. I don't know what it is. I think they look at your skin or they look, they just look at you and they know all your trouble. You, they know you have to work harder. So they're going to make yeah. it even harder for you to even get to the top. And I think it's because they know we can conquer the world. They're afraid. That's it. Yeah. Like if I had got that manager position, that, that place would have not been the same. That's and they, know, they wouldn't have known what it hit me. Mm-hmm. Would have been but revolutionized. they put someone else in and it, it wasn't the way it was supposed to be and it failed. So I, it, yeah. I think with that, you just look back as, I guess, as a minority ethnic group and know that just because I have to try hard doesn't mean it's not worth the fight. Yeah. Like, I'm, of course. Just because you think I'm not good, I'm going to prove to you that I'm better. I want to ask you about your own business and how that came about and why you decided to start it. It came about two years ago. I was working for that company that was an absolute shame place to work for because they just didn't treat me properly. And I was like, build your career, build mm-hmm. your career. Like everyone's in uni, you need to do something for yourself. Yeah. And then... I was like, oh, I like art though. And I like trainers. So let me just, let me just get a pair of my own, fix them. And then once I'd done that, I was like, oi, these are actually hard. And initially I started cleaning shoes. I wasn't even like doing art. I was yeah, literally just cleaning, cleaning them. Yeah, you were cleaning and fixing them and like restoring them to their yeah. form myself. Because huh? my brothers are, they've got so many shoes. They've got more shoes than me. They've got a lot of shoes. It's like a JD downstairs. But it's like, they would come to me and be like, oh, can you clean these for me? And I'm like, I'm charging you because I'm not doing that for free. And then it kind of, it started from <laughs> there. So I was charging them like £25 to clean a pair of trainers for them. Like, and this is proper, bring it why back not? to life. Like it was brand new. Yeah. And then I was like, mm. why don't I just make money from this? Because I know there's my own friends, my people that I see, like who's got shoes, which look like they've been through hell and back so I'm like oh I need to do something for myself that isn't related to another person getting money from what I do and I was so done with working for someone like obviously I wouldn't just quit my job because how am I supposed to pay the bills and that I've Mm -hmm. got I've got things I want to do you're working smart in it yeah yeah so I'm like oh if, if I can work this hard for someone else I can cut that in half and work this hard for myself I see coronavirus as a blessing in disguise for me yeah because it gave me time to sit down and say what do you want to do with your life yeah where do you want to be? Do you want to continue working for someone else and making them a whole lot of money? Or do you want to work for yourself and make yourself a whole lot of money? And I was yeah. like, that's not even the question. That's, that's how you become an independent and successful black entrepreneur. At the end of the day, it's all down to you. Mm-hmm. Like, I think growing up, I never grew up with having like, my mum have loads of money to be able to fork out on new outfits or new yeah, shoes exactly. or anything. Yeah. So I had to make the most of what I had. Yeah. And I had... Like throughout my whole life, I've had vans, vans were my shoe. And I was like, mm. I can have a pair of vans and it lasts me a year. I'm going to make sure this vans lasts me two years. And if I clean mm. it, in between it, like, boom. 
it's, longevity. It's, it's last, yeah. And I think that's... And get a bag from it as well. Why not? Think about long, long-term long goals. Like I've set myself mm. five-year plan of how much, what do I want to be earning? What's my salary Yeah. by that time? And then from there, I can kind of work backwards and go, all right, so to get there, I need to do this, do that, do this, do that. And I think it's generally just about having a plan. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I had to learn about money all by myself. I actually learned how to handle money from my dad. He was an accountant, never learned that in school. I didn't ever get taught about like bills and taxes and like credit and debit cards. I didn't learn how to handle money as a kid, not from school. Um, that's something that should be embedded in the syllabus. I just had to work all of that out. From quite a young age, do you feel as though you had to become financially like literate, literate a lot earlier than your peers? Because obviously your white counterparts didn't have to worry about those money issues and stuff like that. They live very comfortably, the majority of them that we knew, especially me as well, like growing up, um, even in Northwest London. Like they, the life that some of my white friends were living was completely different and I was pretty okay. Like I was quite comfortable, but they were living a different type of life. So like as soon as I got to uni, I was like, well, I need a job straight away mm. i need to learn how to manage money i need to learn how to save i need to contribute to my own bills and stuff like that i need to become independent you started even earlier than me do you feel as though you kind of have any resentment towards the way the economy is set up in that way that you've had to kind of be an adult before your time i think if i think about it in in regards to how how it happened to me i wouldn't want it to happen to say my sister like that okay where she mm. had to work from so young but like in for my journey and how my life panned out it was perfect mm-hmm. it was supposed to happen that way and I, I in life I think that's just how it's supposed to be like I was supposed to go through that hardship of not being able to be like mom can I have this or can I have that yeah for me to kind of realize that money is something that is it's there and then it's gone so mm. use it wisely why would you go and buy something that costs a hundred pound where you can buy 10 of one thing that costs you 10 pound mm-hmm. you'll make you'll have fun with the thing that you can have more of nothing in life comes easy you have to fight for it you have to because mm-hmm. If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. You'd have yeah. 20,000 black economists, but we, you, you have to be that one to spark it and be like, no, I can do it. And then everyone else will kind of follow and go, actually, like, 100%. Free to you, Felicia. Did you have to grow up from a young age as well? I think, luckily, like, my parents tried all they could to shield me and my sisters from that, even though I knew, like, money was tight. They really tried to pretend as if it wasn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And they'll be like, oh, I'll get that for you later, later. Later never came, man. I feel it. But yeah, in terms of like growing up and stuff and becoming financially literate, I think that came in uni because uni really like moving out of the home and then being independent, like you're on your own, you're like, 
your now you have to deal with rent. Mm. Now you have to look at oh, how does your rent affect your credit score? What? Mm. And now you've got this money, this lump sum of money coming in from student finance England. Mm. You're like shit. I don't want to be broke by the end of this. Oh, sorry. If no, I, you can <laughs> swear. I don't want to be broke by the end of this because the consequences that it has for you later on in life, you need to be aware of that. And I think coming from an ethnic minority background and migrant family. The difference between what we have and what white people have is the fact that from a migrant, when you're from a migrant family, your parents don't have that wealth that you can fall back on. Therefore, you have to, like as an individual, you have to become more financial literate. Um, but when you're looking maybe at a white middle class family and the students there, their families, their grandparents, their grandparents, grandparents, they have... Um, more likely, not all of them though, more likely to have wealth to fall back on, such as a house, such as businesses. A lot more of the people I encountered in terms of the white, otherwise students at uni were from middle class backgrounds, upper class backgrounds, and therefore some of their parents, their parents were paying for the houses they were living in. They they were living rent free. Yeah. They didn't have to worry about this. Yeah, they were paying their student finance as well, like. Yeah, they were living rent free, and I was like, huh? That's imaginary. What? Good so they were That's just mad. saving their student loan. Can you imagine? I think that's the difference when it comes, um, when you're looking at like ethnic minorities, particularly the white middle and upper class. Uni really does open your eyes to like finances on a different level. Because I think for me, I grew up um, in, in some ways more comfortable than others. But then again, I feel like I was also quite shielded. My parents didn't really want me to be working during A-levels and stuff like that. Mm. They just wanted me to get through that stage because it was really tough. And then if I wanted to go to uni or go into work, then that was my choice. But they were very much encouraging me to just do school, like do school mm. and once you're an adult, then you can do what you want kind of thing. So I didn't really know about like working too, too much. But when I got to uni, oh my gosh, like, I saw the way people were living. And also, cause I didn't get granted as much student finance as well. There's me thinking I've mm. this comfortable life, this and that. And my parents are like, yeah, we're not gonna give you like too much of an allowance and stuff. And I was like, wait, what? Like, you, yeah. know, <laughs> you know, the entitled like, you know, you realise, like, oh, my gosh, like, <laughs> I'm not going to survive. And it just made me buckle up fast. Like, obviously, it's been hard over the past couple of years because I'm going into my final year now, learning to save money, especially when you haven't got much of it anyway. Like, that mm-hmm. is a, that's a really tough thing, too. But you, it toughens you up, boy, like, you know, emotionally mm. and financially. Like, you learn that mm. this money's got a stretch, so you need to, mm. you really need to keep your eye out for it. But then it's also made me a bit more business-oriented and, like, just made me want to work more, just have multiple sources of income, have my create my yeah. own source of income where I'm working for myself because I do not want to be working for someone forever. So I guess this kind of thing has really helped, like, and, it, again, it's just helped me to do a little bit more research into the economy as well. It's just yeah. mad, to be honest, but you've had to grow up. Like, I've had to grow up twice as fast than I thought I would. Like, I thought I'd be chilling. <laughs> like, I thought nah, you'd be cruising. No really chilling. That degree no is killing me us, and then man. all this money issues as well. Like, it's, it's a lot. Nah, but you know what? It makes us uh, the kings and queens that we are, man. I mm-hmm. promise you. Like, we're going to be ready for whatever life throws at us. Moving forward, Felicia, you know, in terms of the government, how do we tackle, like, diversity or the lack of diversity in the field of economics? There's been a lot of, you know, conversation in the um, academia and economics space about what we can do to diversify economics. And I put this question to our the members of our network, actually. So I've got a few um, points that they raised here. So one, they talked about increasing visibility. So increasing the visibility of black economists and their work is key. Space needs to actively seek out black economists to speak at events, write articles, commentate on a range of economic issues so that it's visible. So on BBC News, you turn on, they talk about the economy, you see a black person there. 
you're like, oh, wow, somebody's going to get more excited. They're going to tune in. You know what? When they go to their economics class, they're going to be like, yeah. I heard somebody talking about X, Y, Z and just be more enthusiastic about it. And importantly, amplify the work of black economists because we need to see ourselves in the contributions that we're making. On top of that, like I said, increase relatability. So they need to start hosting seminars, events, doing research topics and topics of economics that relate to the black BAME experience. They also need to support because a lot of the barriers is like we're talking about is um, financial. Some people, it makes more financial sense for them to not go to uni than to go to uni. And there needs to be a little bit more support in that aspect, especially if people want to progress to do a master's, do a PhD, and actually want to be in the field of academia. On top of that, not just donate in terms of academia, but like mm-hmm. initiatives like the Black Economist Network, so that we're able to actually expand our outreach and our impact and reach the communities that we want to reach. And then finally, just increasing opportunities for people so that more people can engage with what economics is, just get an understanding of what it is and economics to them is seen as a viable option for them to go into um and that's just that's just a little bit Mm -hmm. there's so much more we can do because i think at the end of the day all of this can't be done until we actually tackle what racism is Mm -hmm. and how racism seeps into our institutions our structures our systems in the form of unconscious bias or just outright discrimination That's a great way to end this conversation. But guys, thank you so much for coming on and speaking to us. Yeah, thank you for having us. So Nuruddin, how did you find that conversation? It was really informative because you have people that have gone... on to be pioneers in their own fields. You've got Leah, who's, well, the first customed woman that I know, and the Black Economics mm-hmm. Network was set up by Felicia as well, first started by her. So seeing all these firsts, like, kind of inspires me to do more, <laughs> if you get what I'm saying. Thank you for listening to Vent Weekly. I've been Nuruddin. And I've been Amelia. And thanks a lot to Felicia and Leah for coming on. You can find the Black Economist Network on Twitter and Leah's business on Instagram at Customs by Clark. This episode was produced by the Vent production team. Jess Lawson, Amelia Gill, Moeed Majid and Arlie Adlington. Vent is a collaboration between Vice and Brent 2020 London Borough of Culture. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.